Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm Harmony and I'm here with Russell Kay. Hello, everyone. And our guest today is the very lovely John Boltman. The esteemed John Boltman. Yes, in fact. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Where are you? Where are you from right now? Where, where are you? you where are you calling? Calling us from? us from? Talking to us from? I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, that's where house. you live and you teach. Yeah, that's where I live and teach. I've been here eight years. Um, wow. Teaching at the University of Virginia. Hmm. Oh, I, that, that's good. I've got a little. I've got a little intro for John. Uh, John is. Uh, y- you go by Jonathan. No. <laughs> Johnny. Just John. John. All right. John. <clears throat> John Boltman is Ashtanga Yoga Program Director at the Con- Contemplative Sciences Center, uh, CSC, University of Virginia, Charlottesville. It's the second of its kind in the nation. I. You don't remember the first, do you, John? I think it's Stanford. Yeah, that's right. Stanford. <laughs> um, John and I both haunted uh, the empty swimming pools of Slidell, Louisiana, where we were both uh, had been arrested on many occasions. That's uh, the not, pace not entirely true, but okay. We can, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that point. Okay. Uh, the pace of life is a little different in the South, and it seems to have created in John Boltman, a giant, relaxed body, uh, something like Washington Irving's Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> Did okay. you fall asleep for a million years? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for being on the show. I mean, you should be you should be resting probably, but you're here. Yeah, I rest like an electron. <laughs> <laughs> moving around (laughs) that's a curious uh a curious side of your personality that maybe some ashtanga yoga people don't know about is you originally were a scientist yeah that um was part of my life i was yeah geologist geologist. yeah and you and and you worked as a geologist I did, and I went to school, huh. and I taught as a, I, I ended up teaching as a geologist. So I, I was an environmental geologist for a year, and uh, and then I went back to grad school and uh, studied structural geology, which is a, and tectonics, and, and more like theoretical, and did a big mapping project, and and then after I graduated there, then I started teaching at Western Carolina University and a community college in Asheville, North Carolina. And so that, that was there for six years. Oh, Asheville. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Asheville is like um, like uh, the North Carolina version of Austin, Texas. It's, or, uh, um, it is now. It's like yeah. a Portland. It's like a, <laughs> oh, it wasn't at the time? Is it not like the hippie haven? Yeah, in the, in the last, so I've seen it kind of change dramatically. It was just a mountain town. So in, in the mountains, you don't usually have any sort of cities, you know, mm-hmm. uh, up until the 90s when that became cool. Um, but yeah, up, up until then, it was just uh, kind of a, 
redneck kind of you know it had like a few little niche places to go visit but it wasn't you know like it is now it's just mm-hmm. kind of nuts yeah and so that's where you were you were doing your studies it wasn't at the university of virginia or anything like that no i went to the university of tennessee for grad school i got a research assistantship there to study geology and um yeah it was just really lucky oh. and uh that's where Peyton Manning went to school. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, we, we, he's, he's, he's also from Mississippi. Well, yeah, his his dad was a coach of the New Orleans. It was a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, and so Ole Miss was where Archie went to went to school, and um, the uh, the Eli Manning went to Ole Miss. Eli Manning as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty up on, on my Mannings. Um, <laughs> Did um manning up? So he was, manning was up. he a consistent presence on campus, Peyton Manning? I no? have no Did... idea. Yeah. I was in, I was in the geology <laughs> building or in the field the whole time. Like I, I was, it was like eighty-hour weeks of just you know mm. going. Uh, wow. And well, I'm I, what we want to know today is is how all of this happened. Like we've, in a nutshell, we've we've described you as a, a southerner who's become a geologist, who's become an Ashtanga yoga master at the Contemplative Sciences Center. Like, how did this all happen? Where did where where did you grow up, really? Okay, so I was born in Augusta, Georgia. Then we moved to Atlanta, and then we moved to East Tennessee uh, in this like in Greenville, which is a really small town. Mm-hmm. And then at uh, 13, we moved from there to Gulfport, Mississippi, like Biloxi oh, Gulfport area. Yeah, I know Biloxi real well. That's why you went over to Slide. You you make the drive over to Slidell yeah. from Biloxi. Meanwhile, we were driving the other way to go to the bonfires on the beach in Biloxi. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And oh, just yeah. So I was I was a skateboarder then, and I would. When you said the pools, it was actually this uh, Pink Panther was an old skate park, and uh, we we would go over, I, we would go quite a lot, like two or three times a week to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I was like driving back and forth to there, and my father is a Lutheran minister, mm-hmm. and so um, I was kind of raised yeah in the church wow. and and around that. You know, we were obliged to go every Sunday, and uh, I didn't really connect that well with it. You know, I had like a lot of questions. I would ask Sunday school teachers, and and they they would they would get annoyed and tell me to go ask my father, and then my father would you know wouldn't debate me. So, um, uh, but I did have this like thirst for, uh, I guess spirituals or really just like thirst for strange things i always liked strange things so i liked skateboarding when it wasn't cool um i remember like wanting to dress up like an indian yogi and do the uh, levitating magic trick Uh (laughs) where did you see that though like how did you how did you see that image so i had had all these uh books that i had gotten from the library and i remember they showed you know how to do it where you built this little platform and you put your arm on there and i was like trying to build this platform so there's like all these seeds of of and i remember doing headstand uh in you know in, in elementary school mm-hmm. and and it's just like when i start thinking about how it all happened you know that framing is very 
fun to do and just i could just say okay well i started ashtanga here but um but did i did i have all these seeds already there like uh like luke you know the Hare krishna krishna's gave me the gita when i was like 11 mm-hmm. and i took it back and i was like reading it i remember on the on the couch and my dad like took it away from me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah of course he did <laughs> that's <laughs> an abomination right yeah so you know, that was a that was in Augusta on the streets there. I mean, the uh, Atlanta on the streets Atlanta, there. Yeah, in the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. They had a big, you know, they had a big thing going there for a little bit. So you were kind of a seeker from the beginning, like looking for answers. I think I was interested in philosophy and, and things like that um, for sure, but I didn't really have the right, you know, directions to kind of pursue that. And I didn't do that. Uh, but I was also interested in like, strange music like the violent films and like yeah. early hip-hop like and, you know it's just, <laughs> as a white guy Our grandmaster and, flash yeah that sort of yeah. stuff you know yeah, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. Like, and early run dmc like you know i mean i guess that was pretty common back then but it well it's it. particular it is a particular culture and it's something you know harmony and i are both familiar with you know with, with violent femmes and being a little punk and kind of being immersed in, um, you know, the maybe a, a Christian majority, mm-hmm. and kicking back out, and going punk, and wearing big baggy jeans, for whatever reason that was. <laughs> but we, that's what was that's what you did. You wore baggy jeans, and then, and so did your. Because it seems like what should have happened is that you should have gone in your father's footsteps because your inclination is such as to be philosophically minded or to be spiritually minded. And yet your interests sound, you know, that they did, your interests didn't quite fit into an ideology that they wanted to kind of cement you into. Yeah, I mean, I think I like you know, reacted to that and now more and more as I get older, I see that I'm very much following kind of what he did just in a different, you know, tr- on a different train, I guess. But um, yeah, they, I mean, I had really great parents and, it was, you know, they really took care of me and just tried to do, do their best. They were both super busy, you know, when I was growing up. So I spent a lot of time just free playing and, you know, playing outside. Yeah. D- did you get along with your dad? I did, yeah, I did, um, and do. He's still alive, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> were, were you an only child? No, I have two uh, older sisters, so I'm the youngest of three. Yeah, so they just <laughs> let you run wild, yeah. <laughs> did. Well, and it was what the eighties. I mean, that's what you yeah. did in the eighties. That's you what like, you did. Your books down, and you ran outside, and you'd play until dark. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Come home when the streetlights turn on. Yeah. I just, like, I would watch Thundercats, G.I. Joe, and then Lily's Fallen's Yoga and You, and, like, that was my afternoon. I didn't really <laughs> go outside much. But we didn't have cable, the... so we, we would, you know. Yeah. Oh. For me, it was more fun to be outside. So um, Yeah. And we had, like, you know, PBS or something that you, with the satellite, you could kind of tune it in, but it was... <laughs> Not very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so, what drew you to the the sciences? Was it again a curiosity, or? Yeah, so I was a music major, 
so let me rewind a little bit. So I, I was in high school. I started playing classical guitar and uh, was in voice oh, wow. like through, I, you know, I was in voice my whole life really until the last 15, 20 years. But um, so I went, I got a couple scholarships at a couple different schools and ended up going to the one that was close to home. Cause a lot of my friends went to the university of Southern Mississippi and it was a good, it was a pretty good music school for, USM? for that area. Yeah. Oh, Where, I know USM real well. My, my best friend Chad went there just to uh, study film. Yeah. In Jackson. It's in Hattiesburg. Hattie, yeah, Hatt yeah. Forgive yeah. me. Hattiesburg. Yeah. That's yeah, okay. yeah. 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 And, uh, about so I was about two and a half years in to the music oh, major. I smoke so much dope in Hattiesburg. Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just like remembering like how much dope I smoked in Hattiesburg. Oh my god I did. Uh, so you're in the music mm. program. That's such a small town for us both to be there hanging out, yeah. doing the same we'll thing, to listening to the same find music. Out what year that was. <laughs> Chad Cascio and Marissa Clifton. You never went to their house to smoke up and oh my gosh. go on a skateboard? Uh, no, I, I wasn't smoking. Uh, yeah, oh. didn't really smoke. He's clean. I'm not pushing it on him. Yeah, you're like a pusher. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, man. So, uh, Leave him alone. He's I a was, good boy. I was just like passed out most of the time in Hattiesburg. And I'm just like, well, that's why you never met. I guess I was just <laughs> lying on the floor, <laughs> tripping out to rainbows. There. Yeah, you Damn. probably stepped over him. <laughs> you probably did. That guy. <laughs> oh, that guy. Wow. Yeah. So you were you were there studying music, and and you're a vocalist, and mm -hmm. you're studying classical guitar. That's right. And your parents were okay with that for some reason. Oh, they encouraged it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a scholarship, so that was like, and you know, back amazing. then, yeah, but I mean, back then university costs were, you know, three or $4,000, not like they are now. So yeah. it's like, mm -hmm. um, not that that's an expensive school, but anyway, so I'm there and, uh, and I, I, I just, I'm not really enjoying the kind of form that they're trying to make me sound like all of my favorite musicians had, crackly voices and yeah and, and i was in an indie rock band as well so i, I had been writing you know like 100 songs already so i was it had this whole other life that wasn't fitting into the form that is you know the music major that's and interesting I, like miles davis did something very similar you know he went to juilliard to study classical music but his interest was in bebop and it was just like night and day as far as what what was going on in school and what was going on after school. Yeah. And I think the performing arts for, you know, the auditory versus visual arts is, is, you know, they let a lot more freedom in visual than they do. in, yeah. in, you know, in the classical music. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I could get on a soapbox about that. This is really supposed to be about <laughs> you, but I, just to say as an, <laughs> as an aside, um, it's it, the, the amount of, of freedom that you have in the arts, in painting and art school in the United States is maddening. Mm. There's no, there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing mm. that you can say, this is what it is because they've so exploded what art is that you, know, you could, if you document it, you could 
rationalize being in the library reading the newspaper as an art activity, just as long as you're if you've got some kind of document to it. And it yeah. was it's it was so impossible to to negotiate that that morass for me as a young kid. It's it's really it's it was insane. And f somehow finding some kind of technique to, or tradition to hold on to was really important to me. Is that why you that. took to Ashtanga? I think I'd had enough of chaos. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe some structure or something. It was incessant. It was incessant chaos. But it sounds like the music department's quite different. It sounds like they're really sticking to a more traditional, classical kind of uh, education program. Yeah, this one was. I mean, I had gotten accepted at Berkeley too, Berkeley School of Music, which I think oh, wow. they, they allow a lot more freedom and yeah. uh, things like that. But I didn't, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, I'll just kind of go more of a traditional route and it's close to home and play the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm there and I'm, I realized that I'm, I have to take science class because that's what you do. And uh, I hate all of my music classes at this point. <laughs> I, like, I didn't like any of them because, you know, when you're in four, you know, four semesters of music theory, it gets pretty gnarly. The mm. teacher will just play a chord and you have, and there, and you have to write everything out with the rhythm, the whole thing. Wow. Um, so, uh, which is fun. It's a fun experiment, but it just, you start to really get in your head a lot. And, um, so I, I was taking geology, and I had a wonderful instructor uh, who's since passed, Chris Cameron, and he just ignited the passion. Like I, I had so many wheels turning in my head, and didn't even know uh, the ground under me had all these cool little secrets. You know that there was just this great attractive quality, other than gravity, to it of, of just this beautiful thing that has all of these. It puts you in this special place if you're, you know that I hadn't even, you know, just didn't think of. And I remember he rolls out, you know, this is a very common thing, a tape measure and shows you, you know, the history of time. And we get down, you know, he goes through the dinosaurs and mm -hmm. uh, meteorite impact and gets down to where humans are in this whole thing and how how small we are, but how much consequence we have. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I just... Then, I, then through the course, I just had all these cool questions rolling through my head, which uh, got me. You know, I decided to change my major and lost 180 credits. You love it was a 180. <laughs> that was good. You you loved it so much though that you continued to pursue it even after your undergraduate degree. Yeah. I was I was quite stubborn and I wasn't very good at it either. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, I managed to you know do okay, um, but it was um, yeah. After I graduated, then I worked as an environmental geologist in Jackson mm -hmm. uh, for a year, like a toxic avenger. Um, but yeah. a, a company that I worked for, I won't name, but they would have like a, you know religious prayer meetings. Wow. And, the, and the, you know, on Fridays and, and the, the head of the company would say, are you going to heaven? You know, today, do you know, can you swear that you're going to heaven? And they would have like dunk, 
I'm sorry, like deer hunting competitions. And <laughs> and I, I just knew I didn't fit in there. We probably have a mutual fr- uh, friend in Ashtanga Yoga who's who's out there as a geologist, um, uh, Jennifer, uh, uh, Jado, uh, Jennifer Doherty. Oh, yeah. uh, has a, I think a PhD in, in geology. And I remember saying to her once, like, you're going to make like $200,000 a year as a geologist. And she said, if I, if I work for the oil and gas industry, <laughs> but that's, you know, so very different than why she was interested in the environment in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, she was more into environmental geology. Uh, and I was, I, I ended up going more into structural geology, uh, which looks at deformation and kind of histories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that actually, incidentally, is, you know, which feeds into the oil and gas industry quite well. So I, I, I could have gotten a job doing that, but I never did that because I didn't want to live in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's a nice I, I, town. Yeah, I, we have a lot of a lot of our <clears throat> listeners live in Houston. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love you. Right. I, I, yeah, no, I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, that are in Houston, but at the time I wasn't really interested in. So, yeah. And so then what, more... what happened? You're, you're teaching, you're working as a geologist. How on earth did you find or uncover maybe yoga in all of this? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I had been to a, a yoga class at, at university at the university of Southern Mississippi and uh a couple of them mm-hmm. and the guy i'm sorry the lady was just so funny and <laughs> she was like lie down on your back <laughs> all of light is coming out and and of course i'm laughing and i'm not high <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like this lady is so i thought this is what yoga is and that's not for me uh, yeah right okay for a little bit um, but then I moved to back to Western North Carolina. I had lived there a little bit before because my sister and brother-in-law had moved there a long time ago. And uh, and then I met uh, my ex-wife, you know, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and uh, she... she was insane. Is that right? No, <laughs> stop it, no. Naomi. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. And she taught me, she taught me the practice one day. Um, and I think it was 2005 or 2006 by the Tuckasegee river was the first, uh, time. Wow. Yeah. Cause I met Naomi in, um, 2004 in Mysore cause she was practicing back then. And so she taught you, she gave you your first Ashtanga yoga introduction. That's right. Wow outside in nature yeah and it was it was nice and then uh we would we would go over to Asheville, and there were some people that were teaching it um and they you know they didn't really know i guess the ins and outs of it um so it was like more like a vinyasa style thing and it was kind of fun to do that every once in a while but it uh, i you know i wasn't really into it in fact i i didn't want to do the practice at all for the first like six months i just something intrinsically about it like just made me like want to run <laughs> like yeah everything something about it and i think it was just like beating down my ego or something or 
you know, I was, I was really tight and stiff and I, I couldn't back bend. I couldn't lift off the ground. Um, it just really shook me to my core in a way. Was it the sense that, you know, your, your mind and your body, right? They're, they're linked. And the one thing is trying to hold particular pattern together. Yeah. Uh, And so with, with yoga, I think, especially as, as men, when we walk into a class for the first time, you know, we're, we're confronted with a particular shape that our body is trying to maintain. I think a lot of women, when they come into yoga, they're, um, you know, their whole mental state or their self-identification is I'm going to be, I'm going to try and, you know, I'm going to be soft and flexible. You know, I might, yeah. Maybe I'm a dancer or a gymnast and this is something that I should do. But for a man, we're really kind of, I think, often confronted culturally with a particular identification. Especially in the South, right? Yeah. You know, and so, like, I think this is a lot of the Southern men's repressed sort of things comes up and bubbles up in a lot of negative ways. You know, this, mm-hmm. this not willing, willingness to enter into and inject in that somatic experience that makes them vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's created a lot of problems, you know, for a lot of men. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah. And, and so then when you move like up... the gym is like at UVA, like the, you know, one level is all of the workout machines, and that's where all the the guys. That's where the guys go, and then the, <laughs> yeah. right, the yoga yeah. classes are downstairs, and that's where the, the ladies go. Right. You know, so there's like this very you know implicit structure, mm-hmm. you know, that's there. <clears throat> it, it's it was so weird for me, like right around the, that same time when you were starting yoga. I I remember I, I went out to Korea, and all the men there were so incredibly flexible in their hips because they all grew up sitting on the floor and they and every meal that they'd eat, they would sit on the floor. Uh, and so there's just a completely different cultural identification with open hips that a Southern man would never have. You know, how gay is that to sit on the ground? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uh, <laughs> weird thoughts going on. <laughs> <laughs> minds of southern men i'm so surprised though john that you were not very flexible when you started that you felt you were very stiff and couldn't back bend and because well i um, certainly couldn't back then but i did have open hips i will say that so from the skateboarding no that's not gonna open your hips (laughs) what genetic yeah, it was just genetics because my mother can do like Bhattakonasana like like perfectly. You know. Oh yeah, there you go. You see that and uh, right. You know, like I have a student. I won't name him, but you know, he. I, I remember seeing him like in the first upward dog, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that yeah. is a cool up. That's a great backbend." And then you know, a couple couple weeks later, his brother comes in, it's the same thing. And then later I see his mom and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But But you're an incredibly flexible um, human being now with an incredibly deep backbend. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you see a contortionist, and uh, it's, you know. Yeah, you see (laughs) contortion. You go to the Cirque du Soleil and it puts everything in a different standard. Yeah, but like for like a normal human being. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm to us in Ashtanga yoga, <laughs> you know, we what we take for granted is having an upper dog. I just think it's a it's that's that's big. That's a huge transformation. I always imagined you to be quite naturally flexible. No, um, you know, and I think this is a common thing. Like, no one, no one thinks the other person struggled that much, especially not as much as them. You know, <laughs> like, right? I think we all, yeah. You know, at some point in this practice, you will struggle, and uh, that's when it starts. I guess is what they say. Yeah, I remember when I when I first met you in New York. Uh, we were living together in an apartment in the city in Greenwich. And it was such a fantastic time. We were there shooting a, a video together. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. We were, can you tell us, a, 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 can you tell our listeners about what we were doing? We were doing a, a video with, uh, with Sharad at the time. Yeah. So uh, I had um, been in India before. Should I go back there or should I? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So yeah. <clears throat> uh, before this video, I had I was in India, and uh, I was going to see His Holiness the Dalai Lama in Gurupura, which is Gyume Tantric College. So he's uh, giving the Guya Samaja teachings, which are like the highest Yoga Tantra teachings. And I'm riding my bike, and then these guys stop in front of me. Um, and I go flying and, uh, then they pick me up and try to put me in their car. And that's big, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they slam on their brakes. So they're like, I've processed this a lot more, you know, over the years. Cause there was a, there was a little bit of trauma there. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. uh, this, this lady comes out and starts yelling at them to put me down. And then a whole bunch of other people like pull them away. And finally they like this gaggle of Indians as they're as usual around a car wreck, pulled me off to the side of the road. And, and then I can't get up and I, I had broken my hand in three places in my uh, femur. Right. So, you broke your femur. Yeah. Not and, your, not your pelvis. No, not the pelvis, just the head of the femur right at the trochanter. So this oh, I see. Yeah. Break. Yeah. Like a, what an older person tends to get. Uh, mm-hmm. if they fall. So, um, yeah, that was a clean break. The hand one was not so clean. So anyways, so I end up making it uh, out of there alive and uh, come back to Charlottesville. The bottom kind of drops out. I'm a little, you know, trying to work and get healthier. And uh, and then uh, so graciously, uh, I think Sonia called me up and said, you know, we don't know so- if you'll be able to be in this video that we're doing if you if you do get better uh we'd love to have you but we we totally understand if you're not but for me that was like this beautiful seed that was planted for me to try so Mm. like what was so nice about that was i i think had i not had that little carrot you know to kind of make me want to try to get better then i would have just kind of been a lot more depressed and you know it's like just kind of go down just for our mm-hmm. listeners, Sonia Jones was the 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 founder or the uh, the the donor for the Contemplative Sciences Center at the University of Virginia. She and her husband Paul. That's right. And you could say that maybe you worked through the university, but you worked directly for her. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's always been 
through the university like you know they give donations and it's like handled that way but yeah they, i mean you have to you have certainly a responsibility to the, um to the donors and alumni and things like that yeah i mean that was certainly my my experience like i worked for the university i was paid by the university but sonia like I, sonia was a buddy but also like the boss right and so um, she called me up to do a video i was gonna fucking do it yeah yeah but i didn't i i actually didn't know if i would be well or not so um anyways <laughs> neither did i <laughs> because you know <laughs> if we can i want to just talk a little bit more about your accident because i was in mysore when you had the accident it was i remember I mean, yeah you i mean the way you describe it is you know it sounds like kind of terrible but it was really terrible <laughs> It was terrible, but you you know the thing is, Harmony is is all of you guys. I mean, there were so many people coming by the house, and just like that was the sweetest I think I've ever been in my sort of like everyone just being, you know, so nice. Not just to me, but I felt like the whole community was just really, yeah, yeah. So it was nice to experience that. Yeah, it is. It's definitely. Um... You know, I had my appendix taken out in Mysore also, and it's, in a way, it's kind of a nice place to be because you're surrounded by people who, like, have the time to to check in on you and, and care for you and visit, and, you know, it's nice to be in a close community like that. But it's also kind of frustrating, too, when, you know, you're there in Mysore, you've gone all the way to practice. Yeah. And then you have a an injury or a surgery or something that, I mean, for you, you couldn't even walk at the time, right? No, I couldn't walk. Yeah, and you had to go and then get the surgery in India. Yeah, and and I couldn't use my, you know, it was I couldn't use my hand for crutches either. So, so oh. just, you right. Know what I mean? So it's not yeah. like I, I could just move around on crutches on because I, I couldn't put weight on my hand. Yeah. So after you have the emergency surgery in Mysore and you're recovering, how long were you there recovering for? I think it seems like it was a week and a half. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it wasn't. I think it wasn't that long. Um, I was able to get a flight back. Yeah. And... and were you able to sit on the flight, or did did you have special precautions or measures that? Yeah, sometimes uh, they they have people on a stretcher. They have those, you know, the insurance will pay for like a stretcher flight. Yeah, that was like maybe the one and only time I flew business class. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so you could stretch yeah. out. Yeah. And and did you, man? I mean, that's. Did you get any help with, to get that flight, or you just had to do it all on your own? I did get some help. Um, okay. Yeah, gotcha. I'm not sure if I want to name. I mean. Yeah. No. That's person though. But it was very, it was very, it was, I was very grateful for so many people helping out. And, mm -hmm. and so then you came home and you're kind of alone. Yeah. And the and... bottom kind of dropped out and, right. you know, the abdomen atrophies pretty quickly <laughs> if you're yeah. not standing or walking, you know. And uh, so then, yeah, I started, you know, I got a call to do that. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought I would just see, and I knew going in uh, that there would be some problems like Utita Hastapadangustasana, but 
<laughs> so how long between you getting home and then you getting and then you and then finding out about the video? I mean, how much time did you have to prepare? Uh, I think two months. You had wow. two months. Yeah, before I to was get done, back. I, yeah, I said I could maybe into the Super Bowl. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Wow. So, what did they tell you about what this video was? Um, what was her name? The the girl that organized it. Shira. Shira Atkins. Shira, Shira Atkins. She she was like um, your coordinator. Yeah, they just said that they're you know we're shooting a first and second series video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And at that time, when you got the call, were you practicing full primary or? When I got the call, no, yeah. I couldn't do Lotus. I mean, I couldn't. Amazing. Um, yeah, there was there was like a lot that I. So couldn't what kind do. of, what kind of practice were you doing? How were you starting to like get your practice back? I you know I just used a whole lot of props. So I mean I would use pillows. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember setting up like a, a you know desk. It was really educational for me, and um I mean I know not to sound too cliche, but. I've really learned a lot about how to instruct a lot of different postures that I hadn't really thought of before, mm-hmm. specifically like Lotus stuff, how to like work at a lot of that stuff in a, in a way that, cause it, it would be like my, my, my hip would just scream at me and I'd have to like investigate that threshold of pain. So it, it was a boon in a lot of ways for me. Um, and the biggest part i think the boon was just that i re- i came back to the practice with a different mindset of like hey this this practice can heal you and that kind of became a mantra to just start my morning off cuz you know at 4 a.m. i don't always want to like start <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm surprised that i'm still not convinced that i'll that i can feel good in this practice <laughs> but i have to tell myself wait you just start slow just go easy you know and then uh, mm-hmm. I get moving, and then I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's nice. that's it was incredible for me to watch because you know I'm I'm living with you, and I'm and I'm hearing a lot about your story, and I remember your performance as something, you know, nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, it was like it was like you tr- you would treat your own body like a carpenter would. You know, like a carpenter would bend, will bend wood with their hands and heat. And then I would watch you do your performance because we had these performative videos that we would do as well as the lead classes, as you remember. Mm-hmm. I, remember. I, got, I, I got to come in and uh, help you catch your thighs in uh, back bends, John. In your yeah, performance. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, that performance thing <laughs> and is so, totally weird. And Harmony and I are sitting there on the floor watching you do your thing. Harmony knows that she has to go up and do your backbends. We're watching him. We like looked at each other. Like he just tears himself to pieces. <laughs> and like you, like you've got a limb that's supposed to go someplace, and you put it there, and it doesn't matter what it takes to get it there. It's going to go there. And I mean, it's kind of terrifying <laughs> to watch you do that. Yeah. How um, it, is? I mean, that, how does it feel being on that side of the of your mind of that side of the construction? I, I like wrestling myself in that way. I, I think um, there's that, and this comes back from like the skateboarding history of like, you got to overcome this fear of 
you know, you asked earlier, like, how, how are they related? But there's, there's a lot of like, trying to get your body, you know, to kind of do these things that it rationally doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and, and I probably am not wise in how you say, Russell, like how I manipulate it, you know, I shouldn't treat it like a um, something that I beat up. But at, at that time, I think, especially before I had processed some more traumatic events, you know, you, uh, I think, you know, there's that reaction some people have, like it says in the body keeps the score of, of just wanting to like, kind of physically manipulate and move your body in a way that, you know, can can also be harmful on the other end, I think. Mm. Are, you, are you referencing that, that, that book, The Body Keeps Score by Vanderkoff? Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. So he has kind of two, right? The the top down and the bottom up means for therapy, you know, and the mental component is really uh, helpful. And, and then the bottom up, like the physical, using the physical is also another helpful mm-hmm. way to, but, but he also references, you know, you can get carried away with that, like too much. I think he cites some tennis player who's like playing tennis to the point where they're like, getting these injuries all the time because they're so <laughs> they're trying to kind of get out of some things that may have happened to them you know, right. so. so what well, kind I, of approach did you take then to your healing i mean in two months you must have been were you practicing all the time were you just like doing your day regular yeah, practice yeah, were you doing yeah, drills <laughs> No, no. I mean, I, I I did have a stint of doing that early on in my early practice days, but yeah, I wasn't doing drills. It would just it would take longer just to move. You know, there was no vinyasa, obviously. So, um, but it would it would it was like a two hour long practice, and I, I worked kind of try to get like I kept a journal, mm-hmm. you know, of what I was getting every day or you know what I was relearning, I should say. Mm-hmm. So that that was that gave me something to do. Um, but, yeah. That's that's funny because that's that's kind of what I was doing too. I wasn't keeping a journal, but I was relearning the practice out there in California. Because um, I, the idea, you know, the idea of going and doing a lead class with with Guruji and Sharad is, you know, okay, yeah, you're kind of going to be ready for it. Um, but doing it on film was completely different. It was a completely different standard. Like every single person we knew was going to look at it. We thought at the time. Right. And but so I was like, yeah, okay, this is things are coming back. Get things are getting a little cleaner, a little bit lighter. Um getting a little bit deeper in some poses than I had been in a while. I was like, and it was it was really like it was boot camp training. But I hadn't broken my hip. Yeah. So, yeah, I probably well, shouldn't have been there in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I th- you were incredible all- though it looked like nothing had happened john it was it was amazing yeah i i mean i just you know i i yeah it, it was it was a nice opportunity for me to heal and and sorry that i ruined it for everybody else <laughs> no it's i mean it's but, amazing sometimes we need those things right we need yeah. something to work towards and i think in some ways that's like what trips to mysore always were for people like something to work towards like yeah. oh i'm going to india so i'm gonna really like work on my practice for the next three months and 
you know, build it up. And it's, it's kind of interesting with, especially with the COVID happening and nobody able to travel anywhere or no trips to India planned. It's, it's a little bit challenging, I think, for people to feel that kind of motivation in their, their regular practice, even at this point. Yeah, I see that, especially, you know, everyone's at home. So they're around, you know, the same crew all day. It's hard to get that. And you don't see the, you know, when you're practicing, you can't see the community. That's, you know, usually when you're practicing in a room, you get a periphery of like, hey, everybody else here is doing the same thing. But when you just have the camera on, it's unit directional. It's not Darshan. It's just Mm -hmm. unit directional. I love that. That's exactly (laughs) It was just so, it was so fun. I remember you and I, like, in New York, we'd wake up at, like, uh, 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, we'd stretch, and the shoot was at, like, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock? Yeah, something like that. 8 o'clock, maybe. And we would stretch for, like, four hours together, (laughs) and I I didn't even, like, set any alarms, you know? We just got up, we just started stretching, and I remember you even telling me at the time, like, yeah, I don't, I don't normally stretch much anymore i don't do any pre-stretching but this is kind of fun and we just did it together yeah it was i think you also showed me how to um do that kind of pedasana yeah luke talked about that kind of pedasana right. yeah i showed you how to do that yeah. um yeah. it was cool because well, then you you go out and, we, and then you're on film and it was so intense. My heart's racing on film. And um, I remember on primary day that you, you, you fell over in Utita Hasta and we all like, oh, that's, that's it. That's how, you, how John's going to be remembered that's now. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the end of time. And then I saw, yeah, yeah. And then I saw the Eddie bit I in that video and then I didn't feel as bad. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I remember um, we did the Karnadavasana and um, we all did it. And I, I was off stage and Shira walked up to me. and was like, wow, Harmony's really better at you at that pose than <laughs> you are. And I'm like, yeah, oh, that's permanent. That's on <laughs> film now. <laughs> that's uh, my last chance. <laughs> yeah, that was a... Um... That was an interesting experience. I mean, also just I saw uh, Queen Latifah, so that was the highlight. Yeah, yeah. just walking out. Like, up yeah. <laughs> she just walked up and checked us all out, and like yeah. kept walking, <laughs> kept walking. Right. Who are you people? Wow. <clears throat> Man, it was you know. So, so it was you, and it was Harmony, Laruga, Kino, Alaya. It was Bone Shoe pr- and Sharmila. Sharmila. It was a Sharmila, yeah. It was a pretty esteemed group. Did it strike you as kind of bizarre that I was there too? You know, like like Rudy showing up at the Super Bowl. Was it <laughs> did it no. kind of confuse you in any way? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's no. sweet of you to say. I was certainly perplexed. Um I wanted to ask you, let, let's go back a bit. Where were you actually when you took your first Ashtanga class? Yeah, so uh, after, you know, I had that lovely little lesson by the river, then we would travel a lot of places and I would go, like, I remember the first, uh, this wasn't my first quote-unquote Ashtanga class, but I went uh, to David Swenson, had a week-long workshop in Atlanta, 
where we learned how to practice primary and how to assist primary. And it was like five hours a day, sweaty. And I like purged everything in me. I was the most sore and still to this day is the most sore I've ever been. (laughs) (laughs) That whole week was just like this crazy thing. And then kind of like uh, Leopold Mozart, you know, like I would get carted around to all these different teachers to go study, you know, with like (laughs) Miller and then, you know, David Williams. And then we went to Nancy Gilgoff. And finally I was like, man, I just want to go to India. So um, why did you say that? Because I had heard like about it, but I don't, I don't think at that time, I don't think, you know, my ex was, was really into going, um, but she was fine with it. I mean, I won't say that, but, um, so yeah, uh, we ended up going, I think it was 2007 and, uh, and it was, and, uh, Toby Joyce was still alive. And I remember walking into the foyer and just, you know, hearing the room breathe. It was like, back then people breathed with sound and it was this beautiful thing. Now they're all trying to like have a dance, but back then it was more like a (laughs) vocal performance. It was a vocal performance. (laughs) You'd see people like, you know, Medine throw his leg behind his back and they're like, oh, and I immediately, I was like, get me out of here. I'm not doing this. <laughs> it's just, wow. this is not going to end well. And, uh, <laughs> really, you felt really intimidated looking oh in the shala. Oh yeah, it was just it, and and you know the style of teaching there is so different. You know, it was like mm. one more. It's very terse and just um, Indian. You know, like yeah, almost like yelling at the students. Yeah, it's a lot of shouting. You know, there's a lot of shouting and like you do and what are you you doing and you're like this is not this is not for me don't want to do this anymore so this is exactly how they teach at usm this is the music this is the music department they just, <laughs> this is the and that you don't you didn't care for that in the first place did you no they didn't teach like that at all uh, but um something so, unique yeah. to india but then I started to like realize, uh, you know, that that time that uh, Sharat was really just like a keen observer, like someone who's really like a master gardener, just kind of watching to see the right moment to kind of pluck the tomato, you know, like to kind of see, uh, you know, or to prick, you know, the ser- like <laughs> it could sting you also as well, like a like a serpent, you know, that waits for its prey. It doesn't, it's not wasting its energy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think I, I came back, I got married and we were going to uh, the Buddhist university in Arizona, Simon Mountain University, like quite a lot, like four times a year, I would fly out there <laughs> and then fly wow. back. Uh, so I was doing all this whole uh, yoga and Buddhist studies. And, uh, I wasn't really into the meditation. Like it would be like eight hour sits and, uh, you know, and I just wanted to move and it wasn't, I wasn't, didn't feel like I had proper meditation training. Uh, even though there were qualified people there, I just, I, I wasn't engaging that. So it's a, the Tibetan Buddhist meditation. Yeah, it was, and I was really doing more like Vipassana, like more analytical, 
and probably should have been doing more shamatha, like this uh, peace generating mm-hmm. uh, style of meditation in hindsight. So I think that would have worked out better for me, but it was a lot of analytical and, you know, I'm, I'm like envisioning like all of these mandalas and all these crazy visions, which were fun and entertaining, but, um, yeah, because Tibetan meditation uses a lot more visualization and um, like of shapes or of deities or different. It's quite, I don't know, yeah, conjuring seem, images in a way, right? Yeah, it can tend to be that quite a lot. And, and then and you have to balance that with, you know, the opposite, you know, more calm abiding or shamatha. Right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then I really got into the practice at that point. Like, it really started to take. And so then on my second trip, I went back on my own mm-hmm. uh, solo. And that was really just uh, totally different. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Naomi, at that point, really didn't want to go, didn't didn't like going. I don't I don't know. If, yeah, I, I don't think she really wanted to. Um I, I can't speak for her, um, but mm-hmm, sure. yeah, I think I think she was just like you go, and um, and that was like the biggest growing trip for me, you know. Like I, I really, and there was, <laughs> it was hard too because it was I missed, you know, it was over Christmas holidays and it was like the first time I had ever, you know, not been there. And uh, this was after uh, Patabio died, so Shrat was like kind of like figuring stuff out i mean it was really helter skelter all over the place like he i felt like he didn't really you know know exactly his role and yet i mean he kind of had been that but he was kind of you know getting into his into the swing it's interesting isn't it because it's like it's one thing to be um an assistant mysore teacher or an apprentice where you go into a room and you know what to do. You use your hands, you work the room and everyone kind of likes the assistant, you know, or, or hates the assistant. It's really pretty simple, <laughs> you know, but they're there to do the Ashtanga yoga practice with the teacher. Yeah. And then suddenly the teacher's gone and it's your room. Yeah. And you, you're supposed to go in and do the same job you've been doing for years but it's suddenly fundamentally completely different and everything is incredibly personal. If people don't show up, it's your fault. If people talk back to you, you have to negotiate that relationship. If, if um, you suggest something and they get hurt, the consequences are all about you and everyone talks about you and everyone's talking about you all the time. <laughs> and I just something that you just said just then, John, I'd never, I'd never really kind of thought about it this way that i've been in that i've been in that position where you know where where if 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 guy left and i was in new york and i was in the room i'd never thought about shrot being in that same position and how incredibly self-conscious making it is to 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 have exactly the same job but then suddenly everyone is talking about you in a different way yeah, not just the job. I mean, the whole lineage, or, or if you want to call it whatever that you know that that it's, it's kind of a huge shift, I think, for him in a lot of ways. It took on you know a lot there. Um, yeah, and he was also grieving the death of his teacher, his grandfather, yeah. his 
you know, somebody that was basically a father to him, a father figure. And that's a complicated emotional landscape. And then on top of it, you have hundreds of students there all not really understanding what what you've lost and wanting you to step up and, and fill these shoes that are, you know, bigger than life in, in his mind, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's where I felt like I really met him mm -hmm. too. And he, and he's kind of saw through me and my, you know, I would ask questions that were directed at challenging him. And right. he would, he wouldn't, he wouldn't put up with it. You know, he would, he would just like knock me down in front of everyone and I have, you know, like the wind wow. knocked out of my sail. And I was like, then I reflected on it. I was like, man, he really sees through all my BS, you know, and yeah. uh, <laughs> he still does. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man. And, and so, yeah, I think that's really when, you know, I was kind of sold and I came back. Um, can I ask one question yeah, first? Sure. Could you give us an example of, of BS that you would give? You know, I would, uh, I, I don't remember exactly, but I would like quote some yoga sutra to try to make myself sound, you know, more erudite than I was. And he would just like turn his head and look and, and ask someone else like, or talk to someone else. <laughs> and, you know, it was, like he wouldn't even engage that that part of me because mm. and i see it now like you can tell when someone's asking a question and they're genuinely curious versus when they're challenging you or they're mm -hmm. challenging someone and you know I, I i if you would have asked me if i was doing that i would say no of course not i wouldn't try to like challenge this guy you know but i think there was there was a little bit of that and there was um that that we're so kind of bred to do in in western you know schools yeah. that that we like challenge the teacher and show you know mm -hmm. show that Demonstrate we studied competency, and that we, yeah right <clears throat> that's really interesting you because you brought up alex Bedeen earlier and we're going to interview him soon oh good but that was that was alex's mo is alex very much felt that a teacher should be challenged on points and mm -hmm. you should have a robust argument to understand the nature of things. And he would do that. And wow, Sherat really didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very Western style of, of learning and, and philosophy, even. That is the whole structure of but, philosophy. But this is, wasn't totally. that also what Shankar was doing with the Buddhists, is having yeah. a robust debate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just and a it, different... There's a history of that dial dialectic, you know, and especially in Tibetan Buddhism, you know, the and the debate, you yeah, know, and you're like slapping, slapping, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and they would um, slap. Yeah, <laughs> I've won. Yeah. yeah. So we, I mean, I mean, at Diamond Mountain, we were debating all the time. You know, that mm -hmm. was the, there's a there's a specific formula. So yeah, it was part of, uh, and I and I do appreciate and and love that. I think that it's very useful, but. I think the difference in, at least I can say from my own side, is um, I wasn't trying to debate to find like a common resource. I wanted to, some part of me wanted to show him that I knew something. Right. <laughs> and that's oh. where I was, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there was this, um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. 
That's fantastic. I mean, it's a fantastically vulnerable and honest thing to say, because that was where I was always coming from in the practice as well. It was like I was walking into the room to demonstrate competency with the, my body, even though all of the older guys like Nick and um, Pete Sanson and Rolf, they would say to me, it's like, don't show off so much. <laughs> You don't need right. to lift into a hand into a half handstand every single time. You don't need to go the maximum in every single posture. You don't need to do all these stupid tricks and and <laughs> do all these shiny things. Calm yeah. the fuck down. These guys <laughs> were say to me all the time. Uh, I remember seeing Peter mm -hmm. do intermediate, uh, led intermediate with all of us. Yeah, and he didn't. He, there was no sweat on him. We're all drenched with like some guy's right. steams coming off their head, and he, he didn't not a drop of sweat. He's just yeah. like cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm like really. I'm a try. I'm trying to try hard. Yeah. Trying really hard. Yeah. And it was so obvious in me to, to Sharat exactly what I was all about. Like it was so transparently obvious. That I'm here with ego identification. There's a lot of de you know destabilizing the ego and in this practice and kind of breaking down that sense of I know you know mm -hmm. and even daily you know there's all these cycles of like okay I know how this is going to go I'm not going to be able to do this you know when I roll up my mat and then you have to start to learn to love surprises and be in this state of like, I don't know what's going to oh, happen. You know, like oh, I have my, no idea. My mind and body are a complete mess today. Just, okay, that's, this is the way this is. And some days are just like beautifully lit and golden. Like, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hero's journey of just, you know, standing in this, you know, cave of not knowing where you're going to go. And then, you know, you just, and I think over time you have to fall in love with that of being in this place of like, oh, that just happened or didn't happen, you know? And so it's expectations that really you learn to, that really mess with you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I saw on your schedule, you know, you have your own practice time um, when you sent me your schedule, scheduled out that you're, you know, you're unavailable from like 3 a.m. to, 5 a.m. or something because that's, that's right. your practice time and first off I thought it was very interesting that you had it on your schedule because <laughs> that's that's very positive that it's going to get done yeah. <laughs> I was like oh John I'm so proud of you yeah. you're so organized yeah um, I've been, I'm, I'm proud of me too like I can't believe I've been doing this this long at this time yeah. it's nuts <laughs> yeah the second thing I noticed is is it was at 3 a.m. and I was like, oh my god, he's still getting up at 3 a.m. <laughs> How the hell is he doing that? <laughs> well, you got to go to bed at seven, don't you? <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> I don't yeah. sleep. That, I don't sleep as much, you know, these days. Um, I, my favorite quote from the Yoga Makranda that I say quite a lot, you know, when he, uh, Krishna Macharya is talking about rest. And the difference between yoga nidra and yoga nidra, like the long ah versus the short ah. And he says uh, that yoga nidra, the long one, will give your yogi's rest, will give you rest and supply you with energy throughout the day. And then this is my favorite part. He says, normal people won't understand. 
that's funny. And then I think yeah. I, I think I'm still wanting to be normal. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So what what is it that keeps you motivated? Keeps you waking up at at this early hour to practice before you teach and oh it's my students and my work and my job I mean it's just like such a boon to be able to share this structure template to give them like some sort of thing to use as a recipe you know and you you know you you can drop and borrow certain parts of it it as needed if you if you need to uh to and to you know cater your own sort of cooking um but uh, it's just, uh, it's beautiful that I get to share this. And so that for me is the main motivation is just being able to share this this thing that I got that's really changed my life and how I relate to the world. Is is there more to do physically for you? Do you feel like there's 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 more stuff to, more postures to still be able to accomplish or is it all, is it all done? Oh yeah, really? Definitely. Yeah. You feel yourself growing still, and I—I I mean, I wouldn't say like, um, yeah, physically. <laughs> it's a funny story about this, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think it was uh, Hamish was telling me a story about how he gets to a certain posture, uh, Buddhasana. Sharad just doesn't want to. He's like, I don't want to do it. He's <laughs> like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So then I come back and you know I, I'm telling John Campbell this, and I'm like, I can do that, right? I can just like stop. Like this is like a good. And he's like, No, you have to you have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but I think I could. Just John stop said it, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So. <laughs> And, wow, but that's, that's not, so funny. Uh, yeah, but then there's also these other things that aren't asana related, right? Like these other physical challenges that are off of the mat that we will go through invariably. That are you know so there's that tuning the body and fine tuning all of those things, even the way we sit, you know, and how we how we relate to others. All those subtle subtle ways I think are are going to be there for me forever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I I love that you brought up John Campbell because you have a a fairly close relationship with him, don't you? Yeah. So I got back from India after my second trip, and then we went out to study with Tim Miller for ten days, and he was teaching me third series, and I got my back hurt. I I don't know if it was him or me or both, and um, <laughs> and. Because my ex was from New York, we would go to New York you know, City uh, like three times a year. And the Buddhist group that I was with was at Pure Yoga doing a, a thing. And I remember seeing this flyer. Oh, yeah. John was running a program there. That's right. But he was at Pure Yoga East at this point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just doing a like a workshop. So there was a poster for this workshop. And, and David uh, Hollander was, was at yoga, Pure Yoga West. Was that right? That time, yeah. But then That's John right. eventually went to Pure Yoga West. Um, but anyways, he was, I think it was like 2007 or 8. Or mm-hmm. maybe somewhere around then. Uh, maybe 8 or 9. I don't know. 
So anyways, I see this poster. It says, you know, certified Ashtanga yoga teacher, uh, has three children, is teaching here, you know, is a, a Tibetan Buddhist. I was like, this is, these are like all the things. So <laughs> I go in there, and there's like four, there's four people in the room and the sweetest, most compassionate uh, lion <laughs> in the room. The sweetest, and, uh, most compassionate lion in the room, yeah. And I, uh, I just connect, connected with him, as so many people do. I mean, he's such a lovable mm-hmm. guy. And, yeah. and I was like, that's it. If I'm going to learn, you know, quote, if I'm going to learn advance, I'm still learning. Um, then, then I, I think I should learn it from this guy. Cause so I made a commitment to go and study with him and would go up there as much as I could. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I did that. And I think after a couple of years, uh, we were walking out on Broadway and, uh, this was in 2010 after, or 2011, I think Sherat had just done a week long and he says, Hey, I'm starting up this thing. I had spoken with Sonia Jones and I, that's a funny story. He's, you know, he said, (laughs) he says to her, uh, wouldn't it be cool if a university had a yoga program, like a, like an Ashtanga yoga program. And then, so the next day, Sonia calls back and says to him, John, you're going to go teach, you know, at the University of Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm walking down the road and he says, John, I want you to uh, run this yoga program, help me run this yoga program at the University of Virginia. And I was like, that sounds great and all, John, but I have a job, Uh, (laughs) you know, where I make money and I have vacation and all this stuff. And he's like, no, no, don't worry. We'll, We'll figure it all out. Course, that took you like gave up year. your geology position because John told you to to come down to Charlottesville. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So. Um, wow. Well, in fact, it was worse than that, and I, you know, it's like <laughs> I burnt a bridge there. But I, I had like, you know, four classes with labs that I was teaching, uh, like wow. 150 oh. students, and it was like down to the. It was two weeks before, and I still didn't know what was going to happen. And so I, uh, I remember sending an email, just like, "I'm, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm moving oh, to Virginia." Oh yeah, it was, it was, man, it was that bridge is burned. Totally burned. Yeah, I didn't even But <clears throat> and so you, that was in North Carolina. Yeah, that was in There's, North Carolina, and I remember struggling. Like a, I was like pressing. There's like Everyone. a bounty out on your head probably still. <laughs> yeah. If you see this man. <laughs> but yeah, it it ended up uh, working out. Uh, you know, over over time it was it was kind of a rocky start, but um, it's been it's been really a nice thing to experience and have have a light in that. Mm-hmm. It was it was a tough little slog for me. Um the university understood that they had a relationship to Sonia that they wanted to uh, respect. Um, but they really, they did as little as possible to make it a, um, a conducive environment for the practice of Ashtanga yoga. And it's, it's a push and pull, right? I think one of the biggest hurdles in the university is uh, physical stuff happens in one room and mental stuff happens in the other. 
you know and and there's there's constantly this like dividing of 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 that and other things so yeah i i've had some i mean you know i won't say there haven't been any struggles there but yeah, that's a great observation. I really, um, I think it's actually part of the entire uh, yoga dilemma and yoga problem of our era is that people see yoga as a physical thing, that this is like part of the aerobics system or a fitness system or stretching or gymnastics, or it's very much associated with the body. But when you actually understand what yoga is it's it's not so much associated with the body at all it's much more associated with the mind mm -hmm. and i love that you just brought up that distinction between you know in our academic worlds we tend to you know but in our our entire world it's like you go to the gym to work out or you go to this class to do this or you know and then if you want to actually learn something you're sitting in a physical one spot not moving like listening or reading or you know doing something for your mind and um but the yoga practice itself was really geared to helping our minds yeah and it's and there in, like you know like you're supposed to do both you know and in, in, <clears throat> yeah. to make that argument you know whatever the circumstances that you're presented with on the mat you know, if, like if you're in the in the hallway of the of the Trans Siberian rail car on the way from Beijing to Moscow, and like that's where you can practice, do your practice. <laughs> it's yeah. just it can be hard for beginners to want to get into that. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the room the, the room may not be you know flush and full of students. <laughs> yeah, I remember practicing on the airport the first time. I was like. This is so stupid. <laughs> I know. It's so embarrassing. Everyone's watching you. It's hard. Yeah. Like, well, I got to get it done. Yeah. I, this is my only then, chance to do this. And now it's just like, no one cares. I, you know, and I, yeah. don't, I don't care if they care. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, maybe we'll be doing that one day soon, back practicing in airports again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. That's why I wanted to ask you about that, about... Um, how destabilizing it is for our community to be missing um, a foundational piece to our experience of the culture. You know, you have practice, uh, you have devotion, and you have sangha, and uh, like the, the they have these these what do you call these prongs in Buddhism? The triple gem: the Buddha, the yeah, Dharma, and the sangha. Yeah. Right. So we the sangha piece seems. Let's say. If you allow me to 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 abuse the metaphor, <laughs> um, the the sangha piece for us is going to Mysore, yeah. and that's where we all get to be together, and not have not we're not teachers, we're not doing anything, we're hanging out, we're like, you know, um, middle school children, you know, gossiping and eating and throwing food at each other in the lunchroom, <laughs> but we don't have that. And we don't also we don't also we don't have this gold star that we get for going to Mysore. Like one of the one of the real sweet things is being able to go to breakfast with your crew and being able to tell them that you got a posture. Yeah, everyone like is so I, excited <clears throat> and jealous. So. <laughs> yeah, we're missing that a lot too. I think in the counted classes, 
we become this like super organism in a way where everybody's mm-hmm. breathing together and and that that feeling of of reframing yourself like from this here's my mat this is i mean mine to now you're part of this unit is really part you know in how we experience the sangha i think where where we kind of shrink and swell that uh, definition of us you know mm-hmm. there there's the, those first few surinam scars especially you know you'll have it's really cool everyone's breathing together and moving together you know and it, it gets all off eventually but there's mm-hmm. there is this nice sense of dissolving into others and it can bring on this really um sweet thing like when i used to do corral like these huge like beethoven's ninth you know like when you get to this crescendo like oh, you lose cor- yourself yeah like a yeah you, mm-hmm. you totally lose you're supposed to say corral uh i think so <laughs> i don't know maybe i've been saying it wrong uh, so you you lose yourself in the corral yeah, I mean, it's really like you can feel this sort of like this. I don't know how to explain it. Just like this huge uh, climax of, and, and I've done that even also just playing music. But th- there is that maybe a more subdued sense that, that you're kind of becoming this group, you know, that's all kind of doing the same thing. And and I don't think we're getting that in these times because mm-hmm. I mean, you can't hear anyone really. At least the classes, yeah. you know. But I also wonder if you do. Is it destabilizing to not to feel like there is no place to go to? You can't go to Mysore to demonstrate your your prowess on a yearly <sighs> basis. Is it? Is it? There's no place to to reconnect. Is it? Is it? How do you manage? How is Ashtanga Yoga even a maintain its form? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I mean, I think it, it happens in the hearts and minds of people that kind of do what we do in the mornings, you know, and silently keep plodding along. I mean, I think you said it the other uh, in another podcast where everyone else is kind of just realizing that this is what we do, you know, <laughs> like oh, you're practicing yeah. at home alone at <laughs> four in the morning. Well, that's just, that's, that's just right. Like, well, yeah, that's our life. That's what we've been doing. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but yeah. but there there I think there is this need to share, and I I wouldn't say like demonstrating prowess. I mean, I I don't I don't certainly don't feel like I have that anymore. There probably was a time when I was hoping to do that. But, um, <laughs> well, let me ask a more uncomfortable question, and it's not personal; it's sort of it's transpersonal. Um. Do you think that's what our community does, and that's the whole object of our community? And I'm no, maybe this is, maybe we can't actually speak for the group, but is is that why we go to Mysore? I, for me, and I mean, just my own personal, I think it, it, it there needs to be some accountability, and, and for me, there needs to be that reflection. Like a, uh, it's helpful for me to have a outer teacher because yeah. my, mm-hmm. my ego will start to creep in and like twist things. <laughs> I tend to twist mm-hmm. things around a little bit and start to think I know. And um, 
for the physical practice, and I won't say for the other philosophical school. And, you know, I, I've lately been thinking I need more, uh, you know, contemplative practices that aren't like vinyasa, you know, Ashtanga vinyasa. Um, but mm -hmm. for me, this that's it's the best place to get that, and to have someone who like when I when I went to Stanford, for example, there was a moment when Sharat looked at me. We didn't nothing nothing in our face moved, nothing in our body language moved, but we had this conversation where he was like looking at me, checking if I wanted a backbend, and I didn't gesture at all. And we had a, it was really strange. Like he and I had this mental conversation between each other, and then he was like, "Oh, he doesn't want a backbend." And so then, and I I don't remember moving my face or anything at all. So it was, so there's this like subtle checking in, I think, but also just, you know, checking in with, with others, you know, your peers, like you say, like not in a comparative, you know, com competitive way, but in a way that just, you know, that shares life and learning lessons. And, yeah. There's something, there's something really special about having a relationship with a mentor teacher um where you feel seen and understood on a different level a level that's beyond words um yeah it's a, it's that darshan right it's that that you're seeing that individual and and they're seeing you and and it's a special type of relationship and that it's not you know romantic and it's not familial and it's not friends it's it's a very different um connection and i think it's something that we tend to kind of lose you know when we're adults but it's also something that's very much needed you know maybe sometimes you have it with a grandparent in certain situations but it's um yeah it's it helps you, I think, as a as an adult, as especially if you're in a teacher role, it gives you a place to also surrender and be a student, and that's really important to always be learning and growing. Yeah, it's it's important for me. And one just one more thing I'll say about that is I, th I think uh, since the numbers right in Mysore have gotten bigger, we were talking the other day, my wife and I, about like is he able to see everyone? And I mm. think what's really fascinating is the counted classes really allow for him to be able to see people very well. You know, like it sounds, but you can really see a lot if you're watching a counting class well, like of a, of a mm -hmm. 400, because one person will stand out if they're you know, not. Yeah. So it's a very good tool as, as a, you know, an instructor, mm -hmm. I think, to see how but you know of course we all nobody really likes the counted classes that's <laughs> 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 uh, uh, funny yeah. yeah but that's a great that's a great insight too actually that there is there is a uh, method to the to the madness of them in a sense right that it gives yeah uh like a bar a standard sort of count and a neutral sort of place for everyone to come together and 
move and breathe and be. And if somebody's struggling, um, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I was, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, uh, I did uh, Sharat's lead class online on Saturday and um, I was really struggling and as I often do. And uh, I was, I couldn't really do upper dog at his pace. You know, I, I would go, I would do a, a kind of a Richard Freeman technique where I'd go into um, a Sphinx. <laughs> you know, to, Not would, waving, but drowning. <laughs> drowning. I would drowning, yeah. I would go into Sphinx and then I would pull myself from Sphinx into upper dog just to give my my back a chance to um, adjust from the, the, the forward bend. And I I just needed that space. And he called, you know, there's, I don't know how many people were in the room, like 500? In the Zoom room. In the Zoom room, 500? Maybe it was one of the early on classes, yeah. yeah. And he called me out, Russell's upper dog, come on. And I was like, <laughs> wow, he's really paying attention. <laughs> My goodness. And uh, yeah, the, the I, I, it's hard for me to even figure out how to place myself in this Ashtanga lineage if if I'm struggling so badly at practice, you know, why would I go to Mysore? You know, what, what well, would because, be the um because that's, the motivation that's everyone. Russell, that's everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the Sangha, is that they are all struggling. Like it's like when I would do a workshop and ask, oh, how many of you have had an injury you know I'd start talking about my injury everyone raises their hands you know or <laughs> i mean it's everyone is 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 suffering you know in, in some ways and yeah I, I think that's what we're sharing in, in in some way is like the struggle you know one thing that really um uh really impressed us i mean and and inspired us was when you started doing um this the suite of interviews uh, for CSC, uh, I think was it the summertime? Yeah, last summer. Yeah, yeah last summer. Can you, and it was really fantastic that you were able to provide a, a venue for everyone to to tell their story and to talk about their experience of of, of yoga and and you had this lovely interview with with all of them, and it was it was very inspirational for us. And we I think we modeled our podcast after after that suite a little bit. I wonder um, if you could tell us more about about that and how it happened and where we could we could find them. Yeah, I just had the idea of uh, getting people that I you know really love and admire and respect and just having conversations about Dharma or philosophy and and uh, and then I reached out to I think I emailed nine people. And then like seven of them got back to me like the next day or something. And I was like kind of blown yeah. away. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Um, Richard and Mary and John Campbell. and Yeah, it was, um, it was really great. Angela. Angela, Angela Jameson. Jameson. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, so those are all available on the Contemplative Sciences Center's YouTube channel. And you can mm -hmm. see them there. And, uh, yeah. 
We can link to it in our show notes. Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, I I sometimes I will often just spend time watching myself talk, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't surprise any of our listeners, Russell. In the mirror. That's the nose of the razors. <laughs> <laughs> So what's next for you, John? What's what are you what's coming up for you? What are you looking forward to? What's happening in your online world or offline world? Well, uh, we're still meeting online. Um, that will probably change this summer. We'll maybe kind of ease back. We're hoping, um, mm-hmm. we'll ease back into teaching in person. And um, that's that's kind of the tentative plan thus far. Um, I'm doing. Uh, some we we do at, at the CSC some documentation practices, so um, I'm documenting like uh, a lot of the breathing practices, and um, I've done like a, a decent job of doing the Surya Namaskara, like a, a background of that, uh, and putting all that that'll be available on our web portal that the CSC is making. Uh, what else? Um, is, it like, yeah. is it like research, like the history mm-hmm. or? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, a, from a research point of view. And, um, but then there's also practices, like the like the different practices, like we're doing Veloma, Nadi uh, Shodana, or they, they all have secular titles, so like ultimate nostril breathing and things like that. Um, mm. But <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what's been going on, and, and we'll do. We're, we're, you know, I'm planning on doing some more of these Q and A talks, or uh, this summer, but not, not as robust, because uh, it was it's quite a lot. I'm sure you guys, you know, I I can't imagine every week you guys doing this, um, but yeah, it's <laughs> sometimes we do it twice a week, but don't tell anyone. Especially if you're if you're if you're talking to somebody like me, it's got to be really taxing. It was, you know, sometimes I really, I don't know someone really that well, and I have to kind of really like do some research and figure out things about them. But when Harmony told me, he's like, we've got John coming up. You remember to do the, do, do the background research. It's like, I, I got John. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. I, I didn't yeah, but notice. you keep thinking I'm punk, and I'm not. Uh, you know, I wasn't. You're punk, so more like punk. A, Your parents well, thought of you as a punk kid, didn't no, they? No, they were, you were like the anti-church Satanist, indie rocker. <laughs> indie rocker. Oh, I'm so worried about about how your parents think of you. For sure. Of course you did, because you're a punk. You're a punk skateboarding kid. You got a tattoo, John? Do you have a tattoo? He does. Of course you do. You tattooed punk yeah. <laughs> well, oh, goodness. i miss you brother i hope we can see you guys too. Too. yeah yes. it's so lovely to talk to you guys and uh, you as well feels like yeah. it's been a long time thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> it's our pleasure and and if people want to practice with you online they just need to yeah, sign up through me, your yeah. website or shoot you an yeah. email what's the best name? yeah my website is johnboltman.com and there's also resources and stuff there, as well as you can go to uvacontemplation.edu. Um, if you're right. more interested in seated practices and things like that. 
Awesome. Right. Well, that sounds wonderful. I know I was doing some primary classes with you early on last year. It was quite delightful. Yeah, it's lovely to have you there. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks so much for coming on our show today, John. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You won't see me dead in a lead primary class any, anytime soon. <laughs> we will see you dead yes. in a lead primary <laughs> class. Mississippi. I'll be dead. I'll be the dead one in the back. <laughs> He'll just be lying on the floor flat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves there's a hard wind and the soil